Well, hello there, and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm delighted that you have set aside this time so that we can spend an hour together really looking into the stories you live by and lately perhaps the stories you've been writing whether that be your book your blog or your brand i am here to help you gain clarity and go forth in the world and present your voice i work here in the seattle washington area but i work with people who are grounded just about anywhere on the globe. I help you write your books, your blogs, your brands, and I work mostly with first, second, and third-time authors. And really, something that, that came to my awareness when I was in graduate school and thought, gosh, I want to do something with that, is what we call the hero's journey. And that's a a term that was coined by philosopher Joseph Campbell. And so when I work with you, I'm taking you through your own heroic journey while you are writing something that moves you and something that you want to offer to the world, something that you know is going to serve a higher purpose. That's so much fun for me. <laughs> I can't even tell you how much fun it is for me. I've worked with people that are in the culinary business. I've worked with coaches. I've worked with healing industry. And I've worked a lot with people that had addiction or some sort of dysfunction in their background. And they really wanted to reclaim their legacy and really focus on what they have learned and what they have to offer in the world. So, since I do all that, it is so fun to take one hour out of the week and come to you at 4 o'clock on Thursdays. And like I said, talk to you about the stories you live by and give you some tools and, and tricks to help you with your writing and to just even help you show up as best as you can in the world. That's something that really, really matters to me in my world. So I'll be taking your calls today. And I've always got Facebook Messenger open. And I have my Facebook homepage available for you to put a comment as well. So my full name is Debbie Handrich, and that's D-E-B-B-Y, and last name Handrich, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. Go ahead and feel free to send me anything in Facebook Messenger. I'd be happy to read your question on the air and give you some free coaching. Because my guess is if you're having a question other people are probably having a very similar question. So far, no one has written in. So I would love, love, love to hear from you. And we can keep it as anonymous as you like. Just give me your first name and what you want to talk about. I also want to let you know that 
today our topic is going to be befriending structure and setting your voice free. And I came up with this topic because I I was thinking about the fact that here it is in real time. It's October 22nd. And this is uh, three years ago. This was the morning that I woke up and I realized that my my ex-husband had slipped away in the night. I, I felt it very strongly when I woke up and I I knew it the night before when I had seen him at the hospital that I I might not see him again. It it appeared that way. And and when somebody you've known for a few decades and you've shared a lot of life with slips into the next world or wherever they go, you start to play back all the great things that you learned from them and you know about them. And one way I know to celebrate John today is this phrase that he used to say all the time. And and to give a little more context, he was quite the prolific writer. He was a poet, and he would write from approximately 5.30 to 9.30 every single morning. So he used to say this thing that I just... I smile whenever it comes to mind. He would say, structure will set you free. And now he was not talking about house cleaning because he didn't do much of that. And he wasn't talking about keeping your papers in order because he he didn't do much of that. But he was definitely talking about the structure of poetry and the structure of narrative writing, the structure of short story writing. He had a a well-known idea in his small community that it was knowing structure that allowed him to stay close to his creative voice. So if this isn't making much sense to you now, stay with me because it will. I'm gonna use a lot of examples I know from short story I might pull out one that he knew from poetry and just show you how when you have structure in place, you're more or less inviting your creativity to come forward, to to be the expressive voice as opposed to that overthinking part of the mind that's trying so hard to work with some particular topic that's wrestling, that that feels like she or he does not have forward motion going on. Something that I really, really value from John is this idea that structure will set you free. Or in other words, putting some boundaries in place will allow your creativity to bubble up to the surface and you can catch those ideas on paper. It's every writer's dream right there. So let's honor him today with this show about structure and how it might set your own voice free. And it doesn't matter what you're writing. You might be writing articles. You might be writing your blog. You might be writing a letter uh, to go into the editorial part of the paper. 
Uh, you might be getting ready for a political debate. <laughs> I know a lot of people are. So it doesn't really matter what you are writing. It holds true that structure is something that once it's put in place, it allows your creative voice to come forward. You know the boundaries. You know where you must stay and you know those edges in which you don't want to tiptoe around or even fall over. So feel free to send me your questions on Facebook Messenger or you could even call in if you like. I'm not at the station today, but Eric is, and he'll make sure we connect. Let's say hi to Eric. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon, Debbie. I'm doing great on this beautiful day here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. It is It is a beautiful day, and we have to count them because it's October. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's a little chillier than... Uh, you know, than it was even just a week ago. <laughs> so fall is definitely upon us, and uh, old man winter is knocking at our door. But uh, you know, it, it's you know we just got to enjoy the beautiful days <laughs> while we have them, and look forward to more as they come. I'm with you, Eric. I'm with you, Eric. There is a blue sky above. It's a great day to write. And, you know, so, of course, the silver lining to weather that's not you know particularly inviting to be outside is. That's perfect weather to sit inside and work on your book, do your oh, writing. Mind reader, yes. And you listen are to mind reader. Store You uh, Talk Radio podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. My number one fan right there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell us our phone numbers? Of course. 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. Or toll free. 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. I know Debbie would love to take your questions this afternoon, and I'd love to have a listener call in and talk to you, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you. I would love it. I, I just feel like questions that come in really help us tap into what everybody's thinking. So I welcome the opportunity to get to talk to any of you. I'm over on Facebook Messenger right now, and I see that Zach has those three little dots, those little squiggly dots. So maybe you're writing a letter for the show. I hope so. I want to encourage you to. So let's talk about this idea that your your way of befriending your voice and getting creative is to work with structure. I want to give you some key ideas that I used to teach in my short story writing classes. In fact, I've been thinking about since they're saying we might be pandemic oriented for a little while longer, i.e. three, four years. I was thinking I need to get some online classes going because that's so much fun. I used to do that every single quarter. So from my short story writing classes, I had all kinds of structures for people to work with. And one of the things I like to tell people is you should have five rules that you stick with throughout the whole story or throughout the whole play or whatever it is you're writing, 
five rules that you're willing to stick with. And then from there, let the creativity bubble up and express you. Now, given that I want someone to stick with five rules, I also want to say there are so many to choose from. I can't even guess. Some of the people that have inspired me have been Toni Morrison, for one, was a huge inspiration for writing short stories. Raymond Carver, oh my goodness. I started to write similarly to him in that I would write stories from one room with two people and one dialogue going on. Another short story writer that had a huge impact on me was Gary Soto, one of the best best short story writers I can think of. Gary Soto, S-O-T-O. You should look him up if you've never read him. One of his great stories is called The Bicycle. Uh, Oh, there was another one about working for the tire company. Oh, what was that called? If I think of it, I'll tell you guys. You got to read these, these three right there. Toni Morrison, Raymond Carter, Gary Soto, They had an incredible influence on my writer's life. And I brought rules to my students that I sort of developed from reading them, but also rules that I gathered from taking courses by them, and and not direct courses by any means, but courses that had gone public and what's called Oh, what's that called? Um, Boy, these ideas are just slipping right out of my mind. It's not called free space. Gosh, can't remember what it's called. It's a very common term in online learning. But a basic open source. That's what it's called. It's called open source. Um, So I would adapt my teaching and their teachings and I write, write new rules. So I'm going to read just a bunch of them to you, and then we're going to go into some depth. Of course, you've heard some basic rules like show us, don't tell us. Everybody knows that one, and I can go into that, but I might not because most of us have studied it. Another one that's common is write to one person. Another one I love is have one very reliable narrator or point of view. One that is completely mine is to make short pieces have even shorter time frames. So I'll go into that in some depth. We might even have time to talk about the desire that drives your main character must be moving through your plot. And something that I used to emphasize to my students was don't leave out the low points. You know, wherever there's desire, there's also the desire not happening. You don't want to leave out that low point. You don't want to have your story be mucho positive. We we all need to kind of slide around with our protagonist. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm already telling you about it. A couple more rules. Here's one that John would love. My my, uh, late husband would love it if I said this, which is, No cliché. Oh, boy. Anyone that is serious about their poetry is not going to accept cliché. You need to learn to be original. 
one that many people have talked about is you want to have a hook, a hook in the early parts of your writing. And I will talk to you more and more about that. It's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to talk to you while this little, I don't know, this little mothy thing keeps deciding to fly in front of my face and have fun with me. So if you keep hearing me swat, I'm swatting at the moth and not you, dear listener. <laughs> so I want to give you a minute to think about what might be your question. I see, Zach, you have composed yours and sent it in. So we'll be getting to you real soon. We are going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're talking here about befriending structure because that's what's going to set your voice free. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you considered your health goals as you step into fall? Are you finishing the year right on track? If these questions leave you stumped, meet Autumn, the founder of L Nutrition. As a clinical nutritionist, she knows that counting calories never works long term, and high endurance exercise is not everyone's thing. Check out the podcast for the October 1st edition of Story You Talk Radio, as Autumn Bates shares scientific facts to help you be fit, reduce chronic pain, and meet your wellness dream. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, we are starting the conversation about befriending structure because structure is something that can set your creative voice free. If you know the boundaries, then you know what you can do within those boundaries. And right before we went to the break, I noticed that Zach was writing to me, and I love what he, I love what he has sent in. So we're just going to go straight to his question and and segue into one of the points of the show. Zach says, "Hey, I haven't been writing for very long, but I always write in first person, and I always write about me." <laughs> And that, hey, Zach, that is a great place to start. He says, I think I'm ready to branch out a little bit, but I have no idea how to start to write in third person. Would that be the next step? And how does one gain more point of view? What do you do? Can you help me? <laughs> I love this question, Zach. This is great. So let's for a minute think about the fact that it, de it doesn't matter what you're writing. It doesn't matter if you're writing an editorial piece for the paper 
or if you're writing a letter to someone you care about, or if you're writing a short story or a blog post, your, your question here, Zach, is about point of view. And point of view matters in anything we write, in anything we write. So this is what I want you to consider. Before you even pick up your pen, while the piece of paper is still clean, while your computer screen still has that white tech piece of paper on it, you want to decide the point of view you are coming from and stick to it. All right? It's about commitment. So for Zach here, you're saying that you always have written from first person and the characters are always like you. Great place to start. The things that we write that are nonfiction or also what we just call true, they're always going to be from our own personal point of view. So in those cases, we're not going to want to step out. But in the case, let's say, that you are working with more characters or in the case, let's say, you are writing a blog post and maybe you're showing, oh, I don't know, maybe you're working on something where uh, two people are in a dispute and how they might work it out. Oh, there's a ton of blog posts around that topic. It doesn't matter if it's love or work or something else. That's a, that's a very common theme. So let's just go with that for a minute. And let's say, let's say you want to have insight from both person's perspective. It, it's going to push you as a writer to honor that narrator point of view where you are omnipresent. In other words, you're like this helicopter that hangs over the couple, that, that hovers above, and you see all. But you take very specific care to only share, for example what Jack really wants to reveal to Jill and what Jill really wants to reveal back to Jack, just for an example. You, you challenge yourself by leaving the first person, observing more than one character or maybe a larger context or situation, and you notice as an observer who wants to say what to whom. And how does whom <laughs> wish to reply? You're the, you're the present one who is aware of that. And you have to stay very, very focused. You don't want to go into too much detail because you want to show that you're paying close attention to the issue. Now, when you're writing in first person and you're writing mostly about experiences that you've been through, you can go into deep emotional stuff and, and really pull out all the experience and the, 
the long time groveling or the the overthinking that that first person protagonist might be going through. But when it comes to really challenging yourself and and hearing hearing the voice of more than one perspective, you want that you want that omnipresent voice that can really see the issue for one and can really hone in on the words that person A would say to person B and person B would say back to person A. I hope that I hope that helps Zach cuz I could I could teach for an entire semester on your one question here. It's a good one. And and what I really want to get at is where you have started. First person, your own experience, great place to start. But I I can see the desire to expand. So when you expand, think about the idea that you are the helicopter. You are hanging over two people. Just start with two. Or maybe you're hanging over an issue and two people are talking about it. Usually that's, that's often the same story. And think about that. What is one person going to say to the other? What is the other going to say in reply? And just, just focus on that stuff. And that'll start to bring you into having a broader point of view and much more to work with. You're going to have to trust me, but that's how it works. And as you get better at doing this, you're going to feel that freedom I was talking about in the beginning, when I said that structure sets you free, switching up your point of view is a structure. And as you work with it, you're going to find more and more creativity and ability to express yourself from there. All right. Great question. And, and you've given me a great idea of what I could even write a class about. So I got to thank you. Hey, Zach. Do I have your email address? Uh, if you want to come back and drop that, I'm looking to see if I, I don't think I do. Um, let me, let me send you a journal. Let me write you a, a nice personalized note in the front and, um, and we'll get that journal off to you. I would love to have your email address and, and find out how I can make connection with you. That reminds me, I have, I have a class coming up. I think it's going to be a darn good class. It's coming up in January. I'd love to tell you just a teeny bit about it here. This is for the person who, you know, is very awake that the pandemic is not going to be over by January and we still got to go forward. I know a lot of people that are nervous about the fact that they've had the chance to lean into some PUA unemployment benefits and they're going to go away soon. Those people that have seen their writing business kind of slip over into the sidelines are going to need to get it back and up and running. So I am offering a course starting in January. This is a spiritually based course. And what I mean by that 
is we're going deep. We are really tapping into our deepest skills so that whatever it is you're writing and whatever project you would like to focus on during the mastermind, it comes to fruition during that time. This is a January to July course, and I have people that are going to focus on self-editing. There are also people that are going to focus on getting the first draft of their manuscript done. There are people that are going to completely rewrite their brand because they're giving another shot at their business, and there are other things you can choose. It will be a class where you'll get to intermix with others and have their support. And believe me, that's very, very important to me. So I will be looking very critically at those that are interested and willing to be a participant. But also for 90 days, you and I will be working on that that project that you committed yourself to. It's a 90-day project, and it is embedded within that six-month course. I hope this speaks to you. It is my Mastermind 2021. All you got to do to get the specifics is sign up to get my newsletter. I send that out once a week at best. <laughs> and uh, all the details will be there. Or you could even just write to me at my email address. So to get on the newsletter, just go to CoachDebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. And right at the very bottom of the homepage, you can put in your email address, and I'll send out the details. Or you can just send me an email and say, I want the details about the mastermind. And the address is Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. That's my email, Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. And it's spelled D-E-B-B-Y. And I'm going to limit this group to eight people. I, I want it to be intimate. And like I said, I have a big deliverable. And that is that whatever project you put in words, it will come to fruition by the end of our class time. So I hope that is something that you consider Meanwhile, let's get back to our list here. We're looking at structures that are going to set you free. Now, one structure I would really like to emphasize is this. This is something that's become more and more popular, but it's the idea that when you write, you write to one person. Now, this is what, this is what we're talking about here. Anytime you're doing your brand, so for example, my brand is around discovering your voice and telling your story. I'm thinking of a particular person when I say that. I'm not, I'm not thinking of little tiny children. As you've noticed, discover your voice and tell your story. A little tiny child isn't going to understand discover your voice. I'm also thinking of people that are far enough down the path of reading and writing that understand voice doesn't just mean singing. 
voice really means being very self-expressive. There's a lot going on in just those few words. But I was very intentional when I said, discover your voice and tell your story because I didn't want to just say book and I didn't want to just say blog. I wanted to say your story. And I meant that. I want I want to work with people that want help with their personal story, their personal brand, their personal memoir, their personal legacy, their personal challenge, their story. So when when we think about this boundary writing to just one person it's because if we're doing just that if we're writing to just one person that person falls into a category that we want to meet when when you write to just one person for example if you are writing to a group of liberals and you want to get their attention about a issue that you find very important and you don't want it to just be overlooked on the ballot because it's so important to vote for whoever's going to be number 46. You want that smaller local issue to stand out and you want your reader to hear you, all you have to have in mind is one person that aligns with that idea and you write to them. Now, it's not just one person that will receive it, but it is the many people like that one person that will be open to receive it. So, for example, sometimes I'll go on YouTube and I'll just scroll through topics that interest me. If you caught a recent show, I had Adam Bates on and we were talking about health and intermittent fasting. One of the things I loved about Autumn Bates was that when she would offer her videos... And, and I just said it in past tense. I, I should say it in present tense. When she does her videos, she speaks to one person who ideally wants to lose weight and who ideally might be open to listening to one method around intermittent fasting. That's her clientele. And she speaks directly to one person, even though there are thousands of people that fit in that category. When you know who you're speaking to, you reach more people. When you're not speaking to one person, when you're speaking to many, 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 many interests and many, 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 many different points of view, it's hard to maintain your point. I remember uh, going to Toastmasters meetings with my with my sweetie, Tata Allen, and he would he would say sometimes, you know, Debbie, the fact that you don't see as well, 
might work for you because you can't make eye contact with people in the audience and get flipped out by that. And I said, you know what? You, you are so right. Everyone in the audience is blurry to me. <laughs> They're all very blurry. And because of that, I think of people in my audience as all one who are on my side. In fact, there was this one time when I spoke to a very small group in, in one of those breakout rooms they have in, in hotels. Do you know what I mean? It, it only seats like, oh, 12, maybe 15 people. And there I could actually see the facial expressions of people in the front row. That was hard because I was very aware there was more than just one um, response to what I was saying. It's so much easier when we just think about one, the one type of person we are speaking to, because we don't have to reach the whole world, but we want to reach those that we can have an impact on that will resonate with what we're speaking about and the ones that we want to form community with. So that for me has been a structure that has really helped set me free to just think about that one type, that one character, that one person and go from there and let myself be creative from there. We have a whole bunch of other tips to talk about, but all of a sudden it's time for our second break. If you haven't written in, this is a great time to do so and we'll be right back. Have you considered your health goals as you step into fall? Are you finishing the year right on track? If these questions leave you stumped, meet Autumn, the founder of L Nutrition. As a clinical nutritionist, she knows that counting calories never works long term, and high endurance exercise is not everyone's thing. Check out the podcast for the October 1st edition of Story You Talk Radio, as Autumn Bates shares scientific facts to help you be fit, reduce chronic pain, and meet your wellness dreams. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 11. 50. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're talking today about setting up particular structures and finding your creativity within that structure. How nice it is to have structure in place. Not necessarily a, a back-breaking rule or a finger that's shaking in front of you telling you how things should be done, but a structure that you chose, one that allows you to feel creative and unstuck again. We, we helped Zach out with his question around point of view. We also talked a little bit about writing to that one person in your audience I want to focus now on this desire, the, the notion that desire is always driving the main character through a plot. Desire is essential. It is, it is one of those short story tips that you, you just can't get away from. You, you have to know 
the desire of a main character, or if it's you writing a letter, what is your real desire? Now, to bring this forward, I want to go to a poem that was shared by Nancy. She is in a spiritual community that both she and I belong to with our mentors, Robert Holden and Michael Neal. And one day, Nancy shared on one of the forums about the desire for connections. And of course, I know all of us can relate. This this has been a year in which many of us have have thought about how challenged we feel regarding our connections. But notice when you're aware of your desire, and sometimes it can be synthesized down into just a word, like the title of Nancy's poem is Connection. When you're aware of your desire, your main character or you in some situations you start moving through the plot, through the main idea of the story. I want to read to you how Nancy took the word connection and she created this beautiful short poem. Here it is. Connections. The warmth of the bright sun shining on my face Listening to a good book or tape, the smell of freshly tilled soil, rhythm, energy from lively music, kindred spirits, springtime, hummingbirds, walking barefoot in the garden, the wind whispering through the pines, water roaring down mountains, rivers, taking a swim to write, to plant, to travel, to sing, to love, and be loved. And that's by Nancy. And one of the things I love about this poem called Connections is that Nancy is focusing on her desire of connection, and yet we don't meet up with another person. We meet up with mood. We meet up with the environment. We meet up with this sensory feeling of sun on her face. We meet up with what she's hearing. We meet up with what she can smell when she's outdoors. We meet up with her desire to get back in water, to swim, to travel, but then we end with the real desire, the real desire to love and be loved. She illustrates my point so well here that we've got to start with our desire and let that desire drive that character through their plot. Let that desire drive you through the words. It will bring your creativity right to the forefront. And if you're feeling stuck, thinking just about the desire of the main character, or if you're writing in first person yourself, locking in your desire, that is something that I believe sets you free. It 
it allows voice to come through you instead of allowing your mind to churn and churn for the words that you think are going to be the best or all those other perfectionist ideas. I want to thank Nancy for allowing me to read this today. It was something she posted in our class forum and I was very moved when I saw it. So thank you so much, Nancy. Doesn't look like we have another question. So I'm just going to go forward with a few more of these points here I have for you. Another one that I find so important is if you want to get out of that stuck place, and this is especially if you're writing any any piece of your legacy, uh, a piece of a short story, a poem, and, and you're centering it around place, I want you to think about the idea that shorter pieces of writing should have very short time frames. Now, one of the, one of the um, assignments I used to ask my students to do was to take a sheet of paper and focus on something they knew how to do in one minute. And on that sheet of paper, fill how to do that thing. So let's say that thing was, I know how to, mm, what's something you know how to do in one minute's time? Maybe you, maybe you know how to write the most perfect two-sentence email, and you can do it in one minute. The assignment would be pull out a clean sheet of paper and tell me in detail how in one minute's time you do this. And I want you to fill the entire sheet of paper. Now, what a lot of people thought was, but it only takes one minute to write that two-sentence email. You know, how am I going to get all these words on one sheet of paper? One of the most creative ones I ever read was how to blow a bubble with bubble gum. I think you can do that in about four seconds. But, I mean, it had every last detail. When I want to blow a bubble, I reach into my pocket for my favorite pack of gum. I enjoy unpeeling the gum from the foiled wrapper and folding the gum in half between my forefinger and thumb. That first fruity chew. Now I'm out of ideas, but it, that was just a stream of consciousness of showing you how I, I was just, in all those words, describing about a second and a half of reaching in your pocket and putting gum in your mouth. But instead of saying reach in your pocket and put gum in your mouth, we got a little more creative, right? Right. And how did that happen? Well, because we're focusing here on the idea of making a very short piece of writing, like one page, into a very short time frame, like a minute, something you can do in one minute. I think I was telling you recently about when I was reading The Grapes of Wrath and it was, it was required reading 
when I was at Seattle University. And there's this passage at the end, and it's, it's bleak. Oh, I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's bleak, bleak, bleak. And it's set in the time of the Dust Bowl, and it is amazing. If you've already read The Grapes of Wrath, or if you know you're never going to read the whole book, <laughs> just go and pick up the book and read like the last page and a half or three pages or however long it was, and notice how how he spins that ending. It's so creative. And it just sets the mood of where two people are as a story ends. He also did it in the very beginning, trying to recall it. And and it won't it actually won't ruin it if I tell you it. Uh, it's either the very beginning of the book or the very beginning of a prominent chapter. I think it's the very beginning of a book. And he he takes that omnipresent view I was telling you about, that overhead point of view, and he, he allows you to witness a turtle trying to cross the road. And it, it literally takes two pages for him to describe this. And your heart is breaking <laughs> by the time you get to the end of the, those two pages. And what did he do? This amazing skill. He took a short chapter and he focused on a very short period of time. He thought of the words to really describe what was happening. He got into the heart of it. And anytime, anytime a writer is taking you into the heart of something and is deeply focused, your attention cannot be drawn away. When you are reading that and someone says, hey, what do you want for dinner? Your response is, shh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm in this point in the book. Because you're so drawn in. It's a great skill. Slow down the motion really catch all the words practice that that could just be an exercise you practice every now and then another idea i want to leave you with is decide the mood or what um oh whose word is this is this peter elbow's word could be kurt vonnegut's word i always like to credit some, somebody is known for using the word charge here. I'm sorry, I can't remember who. But decide the charge, or what I often call the mood. Decide the charge behind each scene before you actually write it. And what that means is, as you're going into the scene, you know. You know there's some sort of problem, there's some sort of issue there's some sort of character with some sort of desire. You know that much, but you need to also make sure you're very aware of what is the tone here? What is the mood? What is the charge? Is it negative or positive? For example, in the United States, there will be some people sitting down to watch a important debate tonight. I will not. And most of it is because I'm very aware of the charge 
around it. And I, I find it to be a negative charge. And I find it to be a charge that starts to sort of permeate my being. Now, that said, is it, um, is it important for others to watch it? Sure, sure. It lines up with all kinds of value systems that uh, would make it important. Is it important to me? It's not. I would rather do something else. So knowing the charge before the event even happens, that kind of helps people decide if they're going to attend or not. When you know the charge that you're going to lay out in your piece of writing, you want to start it in sentence one. You don't want to just, I don't know, just uh, be silly or try to create a false suspense Whatever that charge is, you want to be aware of it in sentence one. Even if sentence one is a build-up to it, you want to definitely be aware of where you're going. If you're going toward challenge, you want the language to start to go in that direction. There's all kinds of other things we could share. We could talk about not writing with cliché and being original, we could talk about how you hook your reader. We could talk about, oh, showing versus telling, all kinds of things. If this sort of content has been serving you, I hope you would offer me feedback, and I hope you would consider joining me here again, 4 o'clock on Thursdays. And I hope you might consider my mastermind class if you want to dive deeply into the craft of writing or offering speeches. And you know, you know you are committed to that process. I'll be back here with you next Thursday at 4 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next week, namaste, my friends. Mm-hmm.